Welcome to the Business Legends Podcast, where we interview business leaders and entrepreneurs so that you can learn from their mistakes, pump up your own inspiration, and grow your bottom line. I'm the host of the show, Reese Arlen, along with my co-host, CEO of Business Marketing Solutions Group, Christian Webb. Good morning. You know he covers up the intro every time, right? I, I like to do it differently every time just to, just to <laughs> make it different. Never forget that we are accompanied by the grandest videographer that the world has ever seen, Mr. David Woodruff with Genesis Film TV. Both cameras are working today. <laughs> Inside joke. Good job, uh, David. Today, we are accompanied by Mr. Tom Gottsent. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Yes. Okay, I didn't call you Tim this time. That's so. correct. But I hadn't had my complete coffee the first time, mm -hmm. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call that gonna one. You're going to go with that. Huh? Yeah, just a complete fluke. But Tom here is the owner of Firebird Business Solutions, and he's been in the financial realm for over 30 years, serving as a fractional COO slash CFO, and he focuses on small businesses and nonprofits. Is that right? Yeah. Nailed I do, it. I, but I need to correct you. I am not oh, a CFO. No. Okay. You don't want me touching your money. Okay. Got it. Well, I'll keep, oh, yeah. that, I'll keep that in mind. Fractional COO, correct? CEO and COO. Yeah, gotcha. there you go. Fractional, all of the above. So what, so what does that mean exactly? For those so it basically means that you're serving as a uh, senior executive for a particular issue in operations or at the helm of the, the company, but they can't afford or don't need or don't desire to have a full-time person in that role. Mm -hmm. So um, generally about half-time. Um, I mentioned before Andrew Tucker, who's been on this show. Um, he does a little, he does a lot like that, but he, he does smaller increments as well. So sure. um, yeah, so it's basically for companies that have a need, but they don't have a full-time need. Yeah. There's, there's such a huge benefit in, in this outsourced behavior. You know, maybe somebody doesn't need, or some company doesn't need the full service operation or whatever, but right. in certain quarters or certain increments throughout the year, it's a good service to have. This is a, a model that is working very well elsewhere. Yeah. Um, it has not caught on in Charlotte just yet. As a matter of fact, some of the advice I've been given is to get the heck out of Charlotte. That the The attitudes in Gastonia and... Um, even um, Union County yeah. are uh, are just different than the big city of Charlotte. Yeah. Right? Which there's something very interesting in that. We we kind of went through this when we were getting our office originally. Is that you know we were looking all over the place for for office space and everything. And you know, luckily and effectively, we can we can work efficiently if we have internet and a computer. That's really all that we need to, to operate. Sure. I mean, everything else is just extra. I mean, you yeah. know, printers, office supplies. We have internet and a computer. We can get 98 percent of our work done. And we're comparing the price per square foot to different offices. And, you know, we're looking in Charlotte and the price per square foot's 30 bucks or something, pretty common. And then, you know, we find a great place that's actually in between where we live that's 15 bucks a square foot. And, and effectively, we get the same job done, too, you know? So it's like, why right. bother paying the premium price just to be in the big city? Right. Well, you know, I've had uh, two companies uh, prior to this one that I was uh, a, a lead on. Uh, director, if you will, and the second one was um, we were completely virtual. Yeah. We, we did not have any space. Our office used to be the Caribou in in upstreet uptown Charlotte in mm -hmm. the Overstreet Mall. Oh wow, so, no. it still is my office sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Back before uh, COVID, I was like I'd stop at Waterbean at least twice a week and just sit there for like five hours. That's where I get everything done. Just, <laughs> There's something very interesting about about the way that the world is shifting in this way too. Mm -hmm. um, we've discussed this. You know, privately many times, but especially with the addition of COVID and people taking extra precautions of being in sanitary environments, it's very interesting how so many businesses are shifting to virtual. 
Um, we just signed a, a proposal that's actually for the state of Kentucky, and we can do something in the state of Kentucky without flaw because of all the technologies like Zoom and GoTo. Even in spite of yourself, huh? Yeah, even <laughs> even, in spi- even in spite of my personality, we can we can uh, we'll you know that, get get <laughs> get stuff done virtually, and it seems to be the way the world is turning. Yeah, and I, I brought up this model of fractional earlier, and I think that is going to be a bigger thing in the future. Yeah. I think it's going to be the model that many small companies go to. Yeah. You know, the Fortune 100s, the Fortune 500s will never do that. Yeah, well, don't you think that big, I mean, correct me if I'm mistaken, but big, you know, Fortune 100s and 500s, the huge businesses, you know, a CEO at, at all of these corporations, they got stuff to do full time. You know, so so to, to impart it in a fraction can be, you know, yeah. and they also have a figurehead. They know? do have a, a full-time need. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how much they do. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, that's not a world that interests me anymore. Yeah, no kidding, man. It's it's very interesting. Um, I think that we're, we're in the midst of a, of a huge transition with particularly small to medium-sized businesses, which make up more employers than anything else. And well, the, the starters is going to be half of them left. Oh, yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> I mean... You know, it, it's it's been very interesting. We've we've definitely discussed COVID through through uh, you know our past couple of episodes and, and whatnot. But the world's going to change. I mean, oh yeah, it's unavoidable. You know, well, no, I don't think it is avoidable. Communications yeah. consulting would probably be a killer niche for the next like twelve months, though. Like setting up communication channels inside companies. Yeah, yeah. Because of all these new ways they're going to have to be doing business, yeah. they're yep. going to be wondering how to do it efficiently. Mm-hmm. I might even be a Fortune five hundred type. Yeah, consulting yeah. Gig. some <laughs> of the some of the companies that are are really hitting it out of the park now are the companies that provide um, internet security primarily to schools. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because they're all giving them iPads and they're all, you know, uh, remote learning. Yeah. So We we actually have a kind of a horror story about that. Um, We we work with a gentleman, uh, I won't say his name based on the story, but um, he was doing a a huge conference on Zoom. And um, long story short, what ends up happening with with uh, this conference is um, he he's on Zoom and he's doing this. He's like a motivational speaker, I'll just put it that way. And he has about 40, 50 people on the call. And then all of a sudden somebody hacks into his call. This is before Zoom placed in new security protocols. They hack into the call and they end up showing like really illicit images and, and you know, pornographical images and stuff like that. And there's kids on this call. You know? I've heard that. Like, and, and, it, and it happened to him. It's a complete horror story, you know? Um, Zoom has definitely taken some precautions where you can disable other people's videos and stuff like that. But this was before mm. that stuff happened. Right. And go figure all the internet trolls in the world will, you know, take make yeah. something good. Very now you can't share unless you're a host or have your settings turned off for privacy. Right. Right. Which so. is kind of annoying for my meetings. So I used to just be able to say, hey, share this. Yeah. And then now I have to literally give them permission to share it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting. Have, how Now, how have you, um, you know, used these, these technologies and things like that in, in your business? I mean... Definitely virtual meetings, but well, virtually every meeting is a Zoom meeting. Yeah, right. Um, I did run into some problems at mm-hmm. one point when uh, the kids were remote learning at the very start. I had a lot of problems with my bandwidth. Yeah. Um, so there were times where I would have to use Zoom for the visual, mm-hmm. but we'd be talking on the phone. Wow, that's interesting. And just mute the the sound on the on the Zoom. It seems to have gotten better. Um, We'll see what happens if the kids come home again. <laughs> oh, yeah. No kidding. Especially, well, they are, actually. You yeah. know, the uh, CMS is not going in. So. Yeah. What What is the schedule on that with Charlotte Mecklenburg schools? Are they 
do they have any any end in sight, or are they just basically doing learning from home and stuff? I don't know. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I, you know, my kids are all grown and out, so, oh, gotcha. you know, so, I don't know. Is it okay to say I don't care? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't have children, so I absolutely okay. why, why do you think I didn't know the answer, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's super interesting, man. Um, our uh, One of our employees, guy that's been working for us for a couple of years now, um, he is finishing up school at UNC Charlotte right now. And he was actually just telling us about how, um, you know, with all of the transitions into, into digital learning and, um, online courses and stuff like that. Um, it, it's kind of interesting the weird different issues this brings up. Like, is it fair that he has to pay the same tuition that I did back when I had, you know, in-class experiences and stuff like that, for example, you know? Um, what's the quality of the education? I mean, is it, is it the same as, as that in-class experience type of thing, you know? Well, I have a little bit of experience with that with some friends who are in that industry, and... Um, the other issue they had was, well, wait a second. You want me to put my intellectual property out there for everybody to see? Right. And it can be recorded. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. another thing. Like, so, no, we're yeah. not doing that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really trying and, and challenging times that we live in, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so let's get to uh, Firebird Business Solutions. How did you decide that, you know, you wanted to be in business for yourself? You have all this experience in both the financial realm and also the business consulting realm. What made you up and decide, hey, I want to do this for myself? Um, I, as I mentioned to you before, I got tired of the, the fortune 100 mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, they focus on the wrong things. Sure. Um, and I want to be in a position, um, kind of going forward, um, acknowledging that I'm in the later part of my career and, um, I don't want to do it for Wells Fargo, they don't need, they in Bank of America or BB&T don't need me to make their next billion dollars. Sure. Uh, so, and I want to help people. Yeah. I want to help people solve problems. And I honestly believe that there is not a lot of good businessmen out there. Mm -hmm. They have very good ideas. They're very good at what they do, but that doesn't give them the skills to run a business. Sure. So I think the outsource model, as you mentioned before, is going to um, be much more prevalent in the future. Yeah. No, I, I totally and completely agree with you. Um, one of the things that actually Christian and I talk about very frequently is that one of the, in my opinion, most unfortunate things that's happened in the business world is that 50 years ago, people could operate on a handshake. You know, they could, they could say, you know, I'm going to sell you my car for this amount of money, shake hands. The deal is pretty much done from that point. Yeah. Just wait for the money to arrive. You know? Yeah. But 50 years ago... Most people worked for themselves. True. And then it was a shift back to working for large mega companies. Mm -hmm. uh, and now I think it's shifting back again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, What was the article you showed me the other day? Something about the amount of uh, startup businesses that have occurred in the last six months. Oh, it's on, ridiculous. Yeah. I think, I I think the that. amount of startups, I think it was like 300% or something. <laughs> like, And I believe it, too, because yeah. so many people are getting laid off and furloughed, and they mm -hmm. realize that... You know, you if tragedy something. occurs, they are the victim of. Oh, any of those survive? Ooh. <laughs> oh yeah, starting a business well, this yeah, year would have been rough. Many of them will fail, which is kind of why I'm I'm doing what I'm doing, right? Yeah. I want to help people avoid being a statistic. Yeah, absolutely. Know? One one of the things we talk about a lot on this show is that you know there's there's something that occurs, and it's almost like a like an ego thing or something, but where you decide that you want to start up your own business. And you said, hey, I want to do everything by myself. You know, I'm going to mm -hmm. pinch pennies here. I'm going to do my own payroll. I'm going to do my own marketing. I'm going to do my own 
you know, operations management. I'm going to do my own sales structure and, and things like that. And nobody can be great at all of those things, no. period. You know? They can't. Yeah. And it's it's really a shame. I think yeah. that's kind of, that's probably why so many businesses fail and become statistics. You know? Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. I can, I can uh, honestly say I, uh, I think I do the opposite of that. I think I give away pretty much everything I feel like I'm not good at. In the beginning, it's a it's a cost factor, right, right. for most companies. Um, but if you want to grow, you just can't do it. There's not enough hours in the day, right? And you can't put your attention to all of those things effectively. It's impossible. Yeah, exactly. Like I think our campaign manager Christian Lamb is like better at attention to detail and putting like passion. Then both projects. of us combined. Then both, both of us combined. combined any day of the week. Yeah. I give him a project, it'll come out twice as good as I would ever do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. thorough. I mean. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm distracted. I mean, I, I got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, you got he's, the, he's super focused. Yeah, he has. Well, it's kind of like the um, I think about like the Henry Ford method when he comes up with the assembly line. You know, you perfect and master one one task instead of mm-hmm. you know people aren't the, these mechanics are no longer building a car completely from the ground up. Instead, one person puts on the wheel and one person puts the engine in and one person you know puts the doors on and whatever else type of thing. And I think there's a lot, a huge lesson to be learned from that, even though the assembly line is over 100 years old at this that's, point. Yeah, that's right. Now, he um, he was the author of one of my new favorite quotes. Okay, you tell. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that is a pretty good one. Yeah, that's good. Now, how does that work between I optimists? I that tattooed, I think. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, now, how does that work between optimists and pessimists then, you know, because, because optimists think they can do everything, and then pessimists think that they uh, – are going to struggle to do most things. I'm going to say that optimists probably get a lot more things done. Oh, okay. All right. All until right. they become pessimists. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Until they get. I mean, I've been, until I've they been, get smacked with I've reality. Been, yeah. I've been beaten left, right, down, up, and I um I'm still cheerful and optimistic, man. I don't yeah. know what it is about me. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't know. It's a it's a very good quality, even though I give I give Christian a hard time about it. But you know, we have to give each other a hard time about everything that we can while we can. You know, it's kind of yeah, the, I, have like, I have like a 30 minute quota per quarter of of uh, pessimistic. Yes, yeah. or whatever. That seems reasonable. <laughs> you know, a little thirty minutes per per quarter. You know, I have That's about. What I'm gonna hold you to. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thirty minutes per. <laughs> every three months. Every three months. Thirty. I get thirty minutes of negativity for every three months. Get. Oh man. That's all you get. I'll, I'll blow through that in a week. <laughs> that's like more that's like, like, a, like more like a half. I a think day. you blew through that this morning. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah. There you go. Like you know, gotta. I mean, I am very self aware for all of my sins. You know. Um. So. You know, you, you decide you hop in, hop in and do a business yourself. You decide you didn't want to do a Fortune 100. Was there anything that, you know, huge that happened, some pinnacle moment or epiphanous moment where you just said, you said it's time to go? It or? was a collection of things. Sure. Um, you know, uh, just when you're working in that environment and you're working at a job that's kind of below your abilities and below your pay grade mm-hmm. and, you know, your boss is 15 years younger than you and you, you just – how do I word this politically correct? You don't really respect that person. Sure. Um, and it's just time to, to go and do something else. Yeah. Um, part of it is I think they focus on the wrong things, and part of it is um, I just want to I want to help small businesses, nonprofits, if I can. Um, I just don't don't think that I'm making an impact mm-hmm. in um, – in Fortune 100. So. Yeah, it's it's easy to get lost in statistics when mm-hmm. you're when you're working in a big corporation. It's easy to kind of think that you're not making a not making an impactful difference or a valuable difference. Um, when I was in grad school, we had a huge project on that. Um, it, the whole the whole uh, mention of it was like job satisfaction type stuff. And time and time over, they found that satisfaction came 
came from finances to a certain extent, but after a certain amount, which probably is less than most people might think, after a certain income, satisfaction actually ends up on average going down because people get into this position where they're, they're 90, 90K or something like that? Exactly right. Yep. But, but I'll contend that um, it doesn't matter how much you make. Right. Uh, I was in a position at First Union where I had many people working for me, mm-hmm. and we would announce what our bonuses were going to be to each individual um, in mid-December. Wow. And then Privately or? Yeah, privately. Okay, okay. I was going to say, well, you said announce. Like, Over like, the intercom? Like, you're making 5000 You're making 7000 no, 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 no. Suck it, nerds. Fight it out or something. You know, like and, uh, winner gets it all. Yeah, winner get all. And, Here's a uh, battle Yeah, so, I mean, and it wouldn't get paid out until the, to the middle of February. Mm-hmm. But by the time they got that check, yeah. they had already forgotten about it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it just, it wasn't. It's not a motivator. It's not a source of satisfaction. Yeah. Um, I, I think money's important. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah it, I think it's, but it's important to a, to a point. You know, it's important to the point where you you can afford what you want, maybe put a little bit back and, you know, afford some of your frivolous activities. Maybe that's vacation or, you know, a new uh, set of skis or, or whatever else have you. But at the end of the day, it, it only gets you so far. You know? Right. Um, it's kind of an interesting study because, you know, most people probably think the more money you make, the happier you are. And that just time and time over doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah. The more money you make, the more problems you have. Yeah, right. It's like you're like your for us to make you. like for us to make like 300K a piece, mm-hmm. we would need like 20 employees. Yeah. 25 employees. Yeah, I'd have to manage. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a lot. And it would be it would be pull David in for help. Yeah. Yeah. David would keep us straight, you know. <laughs> He would have like a, he would he would have like the the whip crack in there and be like, you guys gotta do this stuff. That would be cool though if we had if we had David's own little studio and content Ooh. production facility or something like that, like in there just just figuring out different marketing techniques yep. or whatever. I could see I could see you doing that next year. Get it done <laughs> next good. year. That's the goal. Sounds good. That's the goal. Be the most hippiest room. Yeah. So uh, what what <laughs> types of uh, what types of it would be the, <laughs> it would be a hippie room and have like. It have like retro stuff all over the Bon Jovi on the wall. Bon Jovi, like tapestry. Yeah, not a picture. <laughs> oh god, yeah. They, we like to give David a hard time. He he has a he has a, a very uh, chill like a like vibe to him type of thing. So it's interesting. But um, so what what types of businesses? Uh, you said you work with small businesses and nonprofits and that type of thing. Um, let's kind of dig into you know you you up and decide. Okay, I'm done working for Fortune 100. It's time for me to start Firebird Business Solutions. Um, you know, what, what steps did you take in order to get to where you are now? How did you identify what types of businesses you wanted to work with, for example? Um, coaching. Yeah. I, I had a coach of my own, mm-hmm. um, and um, he was very good in helping me get to that point and mm-hmm. try to identify and kind of narrow things down a little bit. Sure. Um, complexity is important. Because I'm, I'm at the end of the day, I'm an operations guy, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like and have a passion for operational excellence. Yeah. And um, if you have two employees, you don't have any complexity. Sure. So there's not much to fix. Yeah. You know, unless you really need ten employees, and then there's yeah. a, there is something to fix. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it was just driven by uh, networking and by seeing others do it, um, and really having that desire to make a difference. Gotcha. Um, now, looking back on networking and and you know being the foundation of, of your startup effectively, which is the Firebird Business Solutions, um, what 
exactly took place in the sense of what what you're trying to um, achieve. So you know that you have to work with businesses of a certain size, for example, yep. because right. you know if there's two of you, there's just not that much to fix. For example, um, the next step is you know how do you how did you go about say pricing out your services? For example, um, do you take that on a on a job to job basis, or you know what was your decision making? It's on a job-to-job basis. When you're working with small businesses, and especially with nonprofits, mm-hmm. they don't really have enough money to pay me what I'm worth. Sure. Um, so it's just on a case-to-case basis, and you just, you know, you roll with it. You yeah. Know, you do what you can. Yeah, you kind, of, you kind of assess the situation. It's kind of interesting because when you're in a – it's something that I think about a lot. When you're in a service-based environment, um, when it comes to, you know, for the money to change hands, so to speak, it's very difficult to see – uh, or to assess out of the gate, like what this job is going to entail. I mean, you can work on an hourly rate or a retainer rate, but you know, there's problems with both of those. I mean, you might underprice an hourly, and similarly, a retainer. You might you might spend forty hours a week on a, on a retainer or something. You know. Well, you bring up a good point, and I think that you you don't always know going in. Sure. Um, the a lot of times when people hire me, it's because they're feeling the pain, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the pain of not being able to grow or being stagnant or just things are just not working. Mm-hmm. And um, as time goes on and you get into there, you don't really know what you're facing or what needs to be fixed. Sure. So you kind of just, although I had met with somebody yesterday who said they hate this word, but you pivot, right? Yeah. You just you just move, you know, and, you, and that's the one thing I didn't like about Fortune 100s, they yeah. can't turn on a dime. Right. They can't just change their direction. It's like a big carrier cruise ship. You know, it's, it's much more difficult to pivot in a in a large based company right. than it is a smaller right. one. Um, so you identify it as it goes along. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, I think that a lot of a lot of businesses are going to be pivoting this year, um, whether it's too. whether it's the base of their service or um, you know whatever product selection or even how they offer their products and services type of thing. Um, I mean, it's it's completely and totally unavoidable. I just read an article that said that, um, like, all these strip malls are going out of business. Amazon is looking at it, basically making them into fulfillment centers. Like, just, you know, figuring it out, figuring out what to do. With Doesn't surprise it. me. Yeah, go figure. Like I mean, the Lenore Ryan Mall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the e-commerce, uh, I think there's you know. two stores in that mall. You know, even yeah. I've gotten bitten by that bug, right? It's like, yeah. well, am I going to get in my car and go to the mall and shop for something, or am I going to go online, order it, Put my credit card in, and it's at my door the next day. Right, and it, and it's so convenient. And the other thing is, um, you know, the people often criticize Walmart for this in the sense that you know they have such a purchasing power that everything's cheaper at Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the same thing is happening with Amazon. And I'll give you a prime example. I just bought some new uh, ski goggles, and I I was researching them back and forth. I've been skiing all my life, and ski goggles are like the bane of my existence. They're the one thing I have like nine pairs of ski goggles never found the right pair for some reason. It's the one one piece of gear I've never been happy with. But uh, I just do my research back and forth. Finally got an expensive pair. Um, the same the same set of goggles cost $270 at Sun and Ski Sports, and it was $150 on Amazon. And I would be dumb not to, especially with the price difference of that much. I mean, that's a pair of shoes, you know? Um, <laughs> I have a shoe addiction. He, he, he loves it. He loves Multiple it. pairs of shoes a month. This guy's Multiple a, pairs of shoes. I'm not even exaggerating. It. It's, it's strange. It's an addiction. It's, it's interesting. It's an addiction. It's, uh, Just call him Prada. It's, uh, it's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay. But anyways. Um, so it, it can be difficult, man, uh, between pivoting and figuring out, 
you know, how to price your products and services and that type of thing. Um, let's look back and, you know, let's say three years ago when you start up, when you start going out for yourself, what, what do you wish that you would have known going back? Of course, I would wish known wish I would have known about COVID, right? Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. don't we all? Um, I wish I would have invested in Zoom. It, it wasn't until <laughs> oh, God, I yeah. was into the process that um, some some people I very much respect told me, "I hope you have two or three years, yeah, because that's how long it's going to take you to establish yourself." Yeah, and that goes to pricing too. I mean, the more established you are, the more known you are, the more you can charge. Sure, yeah. Um, one of our very recent uh, guests, his name is Clifford. Uh, I'll butcher his last name. Blankwisset. That's Bl- actually pretty close. Blankwisset. Blank. Anyway, Clifford is his name. He he's in corporate real estate, and um, that he's under the same the same um, timeline, right? He said that in order to make it in corporate real estate, just just give yourself two years, and it's just the way it is. You got to work for two years. You got to start for two years. He's really but, kind though. He's he's one yep. of those guys that'll actually pay his commercial real estate guys salaries until mm-hmm. they get to the point where they're good to go. Well, that's, most companies that's a problem for most people though. Yeah, they don't they don't have that deep pocket. Right. Yeah. Um, most companies won't do that. They're like, yeah, you got. So I'll probably regret saying this on the air, but um, one of the things I think is going to come mm-hmm. out of this is that I I don't know. Yeah. I I think that um, you'll see. A lot of mom and pops, and maybe even a little bit larger than that, selling mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And I don't think the uh, demand is going to be there for yeah. that level company. Um, but they'll get bought up by investors. Yeah. And so what does that mean? That means that they're really not involved with the business and really not interested in running the business, which might promote this fractional um Design, design, mm-hmm. um, and and push it forward. Um, they, uh, uh, you were talking about not making money. Like, so one of the ways to do that is to get close to some business brokers. Mm-hmm. Um, although they keep things close to the vest too, they don't want anybody to come in that's going to delay a commission to them. Sure. But you know, we've discovered already, you're not going to make any money the first year. Mm-hmm. You're just not. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, selling a selling a some, somewhat CEO on the fact that you're going to come in and take their position over part time is, is already a hard sell as it sure. is. Well, you know, so most people don't understand that, you know, to have a, a CEO reports to a board. Mm-hmm. If you're a small company and you don't have a board and you call yourself a CEO, then you're not even a CEO. You're, right? you're ignorant. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, many times, a business owner, mm-hmm. whatever he calls himself will not recognize that. You're, you're correct. Um, but as I said earlier when we were talking, it's when you're in operations and you're trying to talk about process and how you do things, and he's the one who set that up, and you say, you know, uh, we got to do this better, he's going to, you know, it's kind of like calling your baby ugly, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they don't want to hear it. Right, yeah. So I, those are the, th- the two biggest obstacles are money and ego. yeah. I could imagine that that might be one of the one of the biggest uh, difficulties in your business is just just finding, you know, finding the tactful way to say that somebody's baby's ugly, so yeah. to speak. You know? Yeah. Um, and then and then charging for that too. Yeah. Know? That's what I've always that that's what I've always thought about. Um, you know, we were talking about networking earlier, and I think about uh, financial planners, financial advisors, and how effectively, like, if you're inve- investing in ABC XYZ or one two three, um, I mean, they're making a commission at, at some point. On, on whatever they're selling it type of thing. Sure. That's how they make their money. 
yeah. and it's either coming from you or it's coming from the investment vehicle. Right. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's the way that it works. You know, now, now with you, when you're offering strictly a service to, to um, promote a business's growth factors and, and essentially come in as an outside eye and, and affect these businesses in a positive way, um, I can imagine that, that getting to the point where the money exchanges hands can, can be quite difficult. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. that's the same with any. Service. I feel like I feel like your service would be like beautifully set up to like take a large large chunk up front and then quarterly contract like mm-hmm. a twenty five k up front charge yeah. plus a plus a quarterly contract minimum because I don't think it would be easy to be taken seriously on a month to month retainer as a fractional CEO because it's like if you came in and you're like upfront twenty five thousand dollars for me to look on th- look in from the outside in. I'm gonna build I'm gonna build the plan. I'm gonna come to the table and then we're gonna we're gonna attack it over the first quarter. I feel like all that like an analyzing phase, that whole piece and putting everything together should be a large chunk, especially if you want larger companies to take that plan seriously. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the consulting part of it, right? So yeah. that's what you're doing. You're bringing your knowledge and thought leadership to the table mm-hmm. to build that case. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Um, just getting into all different types of these businesses, and then the other the other factor of that, um, we encounter this this same circumstance with with marketing, is, you know, if if somebody comes to you and they're a problem case, you know, their business is failing or whatever else type of thing, then you know they're they're effectively saying with these last you know five dollars that I have or whatever, every dollar matters. Those it, are our least productive clients. Yeah, it's, it doesn't even matter how much they spend really. But it's how much a dollar means to somebody is when it becomes like they just become an unproductive client because mm-hmm. it's like if for some reason they're not willing to experiment to get good results and it's because they're on their last dimes and then they don't succeed. And then the it's, one company that's willing to double it and take that one risk, they do just fine. It's yep. fear. Yeah. It's fear that it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah, Fear beats them up, man. It really does. Some Sometimes their process beats them up. I'll never forget. I always use this example. Um, we, we used to work with a ton of gyms. Oh, yeah. Um, we had this gym and, you know, in the, in the gym industry, I mean, obviously it depends on your budget, it depends on the scope of the gym, how big the gym is. Um, and it's very different, you know, a, a CrossFit box, for example, you know, if they get five to 10 new memberships a month, that might be fantastic. And then a, a regular sized gym, if they get 20 to 30, that might be fantastic or whatever. Um, we ended up getting this gym like 240 leads in a month or something, which is yeah. like an unheard of amount, right? And it was it was something that was so easy, but it was on a low budget too. Like yeah, I mean, budget. it was it, for for the results for how much they spent. It was like an unheard of amount type of thing. Um, and honestly, it's not it's not even a testament to our own service. It was just more that everything just worked great. You know, it just it just worked out. You know, we kind of fell backwards into an awesome situation. And they only end up getting like, you know, what was it, twelve memberships out of it or something? So like like their their conversion rate was, it was like, five percent or lower. Yeah, I mean, it was terrible. And then all of a sudden. We have to have this tough conversation with like maybe you shouldn't be selling gym memberships like you know maybe you need to sell you know we took a deeper dive and yeah you know how like you wouldn't buy nutritional advice from somebody who's out of shape you wouldn't buy educational advice from somebody who didn't go to school etc cetera, etc cetera. it was that scenario yeah um at both of the gyms um it was it was that scenario and i don't know why he did that but yeah <laughs> he did Interesting circumstance, to say yeah. the least. But, well, I'm sure we could talk about these things for hours, but that pretty much sums up our, our 30 here. So, um, Mr. Tom, uh, tell us about Firebird Business Solutions. How can somebody get a hold of you if they, if they need some help with their operation? So, I, I currently don't have a website, um, and that is mostly due to the pivoting factor, right? I don't want to put something down that says, I do this, when, in fact, the market tells me they want this, mm-hmm. right? So, um 
they can get me at my email. Um, my LinkedIn profile, Tom Gottsent, um, has has a page for uh, a connected page for Fiverr Business Solutions, um, and my email is tgottsent at gmail and I respond to everyone in twenty four hours. Perfect. Sounds great. Do you have a funny question? I don't. I, I, I don't have. I one got today. nothing. I got nothing today. Mm. I don't know. It's the weather. We some so we like to sign off by asking a funny question. And I've been sitting here for the past five minutes, like I don't have anything. I got nothing. Got nothing whatsoever. Thunderstorm so, blizzard. So Everything's awful. Is that because I'm boring? No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It's the. Are you going to insult our guest? I, I give up. I'm signing off. <laughs> Tom, thanks for joining us Thank today. You. And it's not Tim, by the way. No, it's Tom. Yeah, I messed up. I messed up his name at the beginning of the day, but you know, I hadn't had my coffee. Thank you very much, man. All right.